one of the litigants by jean racine translated by robert bruce boswell eighteen sixty four to nineteen thirty three this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org introduction to the litigants this play which is neither a comedy nor a farce but has elements in common with each was first performed in sixteen sixty eight at paris and afterwards at versailles its humour in a great measure depends upon the mock gravity which masks its ridiculous features the language and style are those of comedies while the tone of exaggeration and the absurdity of the situations belong more fitly to burlesque it is a french adaptation of the wasps of aristophanes to which the wit of rabelais and of fertier author of the roman bourgeois have contributed not a little racine's own experience of law and lawyers was derived from the suit in which he had been involved about the priory of epinay during the course of which he picked up a number of barbarous terms which to quote his own words neither my judges nor i ever properly understood le plaideur though it fell rather flat at first has proved to be by far the most popular of all racine's plays characters dandon a judge read by alan mapstone leander son of dandin read by adrian stevens chicano a citizen read by mike menelikas isabel daughter of chicano read by hanna panamarenko the countess read by sonia petit jean a house porter read by todd Lintemay, a clerk read by greg giordano the prompter read by david purdy stage directions read by son of the exiles the scene is laid in a town of lower normandy the litigants a comedy act one scene one petit jean hauling along a big bag full of law papers ah oh, what a fool is he who trusts the future who laughs at morn will cry before the night a judge took me last year into his service fetched me from Amin to be swiss porter these normans thought to laugh at my expense when we're with wolves one learns to howl they say i played a wily hand though a poor picard and cracked my whip loudly as any other all the fine gentlemen would hat in hand call me good monsieur petitjean with flatteries long as your arm but honours without coin are not i acted like a playhouse porter in vain they knocked and bowed their heads uncovered save with a silver key they might not enter no money then no swiss to unlock the door 
"'Tis true my master's pocket took a scantling. "'Sometimes there came a reckoning. "'Twas my charge to purchase hay and candles for the house. "'I did not lose by that, at all events. "'I might have bought the straw into the bargain. "'His heart was too much in his work, however. "'The more's the pity. First in court, and last, each day.' and often quite alone. Believe me, he'd like to sleep there without sup or morsel. I'd say at times, Dear Monsieur Perindendin, excuse my freedom. You get up too early. He who would travel far should spare his steed, drink, eat, and sleep, and make a fire to last. He took no heed and so well have his vigils repaid him that they say his brain is cracked. One up, one down, he wants to judge us all. He's always mumbling some strange gibberish, I know not what, and will, by hook or crook, take with him into bed his wig and gown. He had his cock killed in a fit of rage because it didn't wake him up in time. He said a suitor, whose affair went ill, had with a bribe corrupted the poor bird. Poor man, this sentence did him little good. His son all talk of business has tabooed. He makes us guard him closely night and day. Or else, good-bye, he's off, and in the court. Heaven knows, he's quick enough to give the slip. And I... No sleep for me. I'm growing thin, wretchedly thin. I stretch my arms and yawn. But watch who will, this bag shall be my pillow. Tonight, in faith, I'll take my ease for once. No one can blame me sleeping in the streets. Oh, let's go to sleep. He lies down on the ground. Scene two, L'Antime, Petit-Jean. What ho, friend, Petit-Jean? L'Antime. Aside. He's afraid I'm catching cold. My stars, what to bring you in the street so early? I'm not a stork to stand upon one leg, forever on the watch, hearing him shout. What bellows, too? I think the man's possessed. Excellent. When I scratch my head and tell him I'd like to go to sleep, he gravely says, Lodge a petition how you wish to sleep. It makes me sleepy but to talk of it. Good night. Good night, forsooth. Deuce take it, if. But hark, I think I hear a noise up there. Scene 3 Tantine, l'antime, petit-jean. Tantine, at the window. Petit-jean, l'intime. L'antime, de petit-jean. Hush! I'm alone. My keepers prove defaulters, heaven be praised. Give time enough, they'll enter an appearance. Now for a jail delivery through the window. Out of the court there. 
Ha! Well jumped. You're caught, sir. Thieves, thieves. We've got you now and won't let go. There's no good bawling. Help! They're murdering me. Scene 4. Leander, Dandin, Lantime, Petitjean. I hear my father in the street. Quick, lights! Father, what brings you out at such an hour? Whither away so fast? I want to judge. Judge whom? The world's asleep. Except myself. Why, what a heap of bags. They're all about him. It will be quite three months ere I come back. And these are my provisions, bags and papers. But you'll want food? There's a refreshment stall. Where will you sleep then, father? On the bench. No, father, you'd much better stay at home. Lie in your own bed, eat at your own table, listen to reason, and let that persuade you. And for your health... I like to be unwell. You're bad enough already. Take some rest. You'll soon be nothing but mere skin and bones. Rest? Would you have me rule myself by you? Think you a judge has naught to do but pace the streets like any fop and make good cheer, gambling all day and dancing all night? No, money does not drop into one's hands. Each of your ribbons cost me an award, yet you're ashamed to be a judge's son and ape the nobleman. Dandor, my friend, see the ancestral portraits on my walls, all of them wearing the judicial robes. No other line is half so good. Compare a judge's fees with what a marquis gets. Wait till the year's end, and then count your gains. A nobleman's no better than a pillar inside my hall. The smartest swell among them will stand there blowing on his frozen fingers, his nose close muffled or a hand thrust down into his pocket and to warm himself he'll turn my spit that's how they fare poor boy your angel mother never taught you so my babonette i weep to think of her how not a single sitting she would miss how all her life she never left my side, and took away full often heaven knows what. She would have rather pocketed the napkins the waiter brought than gone home empty-handed. That's how to raise a family. Be gone. You're nothing but a fool. You'll soon catch cold if you stand there. Take him back, petit Jean. Put him to bed. Shut every door and window, making all fast, and keep your master warm. You must have stronger railings fixed up there. What? 
go to bed thus without legal forms first get an order signed how i'm to sleep lie down at least pending proceedings father i'll go but mark me to enrage you all i will not sleep a wink all well and good don't let him be alone stay lantime scene five leander lantime i wish to have some words with you in private you'll need a keeper next i need one now alas i'm quite as crazy as my father you want to judge leander pointing to isabel's dwelling enough of mystery you know that house there now i understand you tis early in the day to go a-courting you want me to discuss miss isabel i've told you often she's discreet and pretty but then consider chicano her father consumes in lawsuits well nigh all her fortune he sues each man he meets i think he'll bring all france before the bar ere he has done he's taken lodgings next door to his judge one would be always pleading and the other still on the bench nor will your case be settled till he has sued you all priest lawyer bridegroom i note as well as you in spite of all i die for isabel well marry her you only have to speak and it is done not quite so soon as you imagine no her father is a tartar and i dread him unless you are an usher or attorney one may not see his daughter she poor girl shut up at home as in a prison mourns while youth is spent in vain regrets her portion in lawsuits and my passions flame in smoke yes he will ruin her if this goes on now don't you know some honest forger fellow who'll serve his friend for a consideration some zealous bailiff there are plenty of them still to be had ah sir if my poor father were yet alive he'd be the man to suit you he made more in one day than would another in six months on his wrinkled brow were writ his exploits he'd have stopped a prince's carriage and taken him himself he pocketed nineteen of every twenty lashes given in the whole province i'm my father's son how can i help you you ay better maybe than any bailiff would you serve her father with a false writ hmm give the girl a letter both in my line why not hark someone calls will think of this some other time scene six chicano petitjon chicano going away and then coming back labri secure the house well i shall soon return let no one mount the stairs while i'm away see that this letter is sent by next mail southward go and choose three fine rabbits from the hutches and take them this forenoon to my attorney 
his clerk comes, give him a glass of wine, and let him have that bag beside my window. I wonder if that's all. Oh, uh, should there call uh, a tall, thin man, uh, you know him, uh, serves as a witness and swears for me at need, asking to see me, tell him to wait. The judge, I fear, is gone out. It's nearly four, but I will knock. Petit Jean, half opening the door. Who's there? I wish to see your master. Petit Jean, shutting the door. Not at home. Chicano, knocking at the door. His secretary, can I speak a word to him? Petit Jean, shutting the door. No. Chicano, knocking again. Well, his porter. I am he. Pray, drink my health, sir. Petit Jean, taking money. Much good may it do you. Shutting the door. But return to-morrow. Give me back my money. In truth, the world is getting sadly wicked. I've known the time when lawsuits gave no trouble. Six crowns well spent would win me half a dozen. It seems to me my whole estate today would hardly be enough to bribe a porter. But I perceive the Countess of Pimbesh approaches, surely on some pressing business. Scene 7. The Countess Chicano. There's no admittance, ma'am. Didn't I say so? If faith, my lackeys make me lose my senses. Scold as I will, they won't get up for me. And all the household sleeps till I awake it. He must have told his servant to deny him. I've tried to get a word with him these two days, but all in vain. My adversary's strong and makes me fear. After my treatment, you, sir, must not complain. Right's on my side, however. Oh, what injustice! I appeal to you, ma'am. Sir, you should know this shameful treachery. A trivial cause at bottom. Let me tell you. Uh, the facts are these. Some twenty years ago, a certain donkey crossed a field of mine, rolled in the grass, and did a lot of damage. Against him then I lodged an information, had him arrested, and an arbitrator named. At two trusses he assessed the damage done to the hay. A year passed by, and then I found myself non-suited, and appealed. They sued upon the judgment until the case came on for hearing. Madam, mark this well. Drolishan, let me tell you, he's no fool, gets at some cost a judgment on request, and so I gain my case. What happens then? The trickster on his side stops execution. Meanwhile, another incident occurs. Defendant's foul invades the selfsame meadow. Order of court to draw up a report of how much hay a hen can eat a day added to the previous case. Things being thus, in a statu quo. The hearing is referred to April 8th or 9th, year 56. I take fresh action, furnish and procure pleas, declarations, arguments, and warrants. Experts' reports, injunctions, writs of error, statements of grievance, and fresh evidence with affidavits, royal letters patent, and confutations. Then a dozen rules and writs are issued. We produce new proofs and replications follow. Judgment given, I lose my case with costs. Three hundred pounds to pay. Is that the justice of the law? And after twenty years. I've one resource left. The court of chancery is open to me. I won't give in. But you, as I perceive, have a suit pending? Would to heaven I had! I'll burn my boats. 
I... Pay three hundred pounds, all for a truss or two of hay? My lawsuits have all been stopped, though there were only left four or five little ones, against my husband, my father, and my children. Oh, the pity of it! They spared no dirty trick that could be thought of. Nor was that all. They've got a judge's order by which I am restrained, my food and clothing provided me, from going to law again. From going to law? Yes, sir, from going to law. That's monstrous. Sir, I'm driven to despair. To tie the hands of such a noble lady? But the allowance, madam, is it large? Twould keep me very comfortably, sir. But life is worthless without going to law. Shall knaves then eat us up body and soul, and we say nothing? Tell me, please, how long it is since you began? I can't remember. Tis thirty years or more. That's not so long. Alas! And what may be your age? Your looks seem young. Some sixty years. Just the right age to plead in courts. Let them go on. They'll find they have not seen the end of me. I'll sell the last stitch of my back sooner than yield. Listen, I'll tell you what you ought to do. I trust you, sir, as if you were my father. I'd have you see my judge. Yes, sir, I'll go. Cast yourself at his feet. Yes, there I'll fall. I'm quite resolved. Be kind enough to hear me. Yes, yes. You comprehend my situation. Have you done, madam? Yes. Then seek my judge, and without ceremony. Oh, how good you are! If still you speak, I must be silent. You overpower me with gratitude. Get access to my judge and say, Yes. There you are again. Uh, say to him, sir. Yes, sir. Tie me. I won't be tied. What stuff and nonsense? I say I won't. You have strange fancies, madam. No, never. Wait till you have heard me out. I'll go to law, or know the reason why. But... But I'll never let them tie me, sir. When once a woman's head has got a craze... A crazy yourself. Madam. Tie me, indeed. Madam. The fellow grows impertinent. But, madam... Rascal with his dirty tricks advising me... Madam! With all his talk about the donkey, go and watch your hay. This is too much. Fool! Oh, for witnesses! Scene 8. Petit Jean, the Countess, Chicano. A pretty row they're making at our door. Go, and raise storms of this sort farther off. Be witness, sir. This gentleman's a fool. You hear her. Pray remember that expression. Petit Jean, to the Countess. You oughtn't to say that. He's a fine fellow to call me crazy. Crazy? That was wrong. Why do you call her names? T'was good advice that I was giving her. Oh, indeed. That I should get tied up. Fie, sir. She would not hear all that I had to say. Fie, madame. Am I to be abused by him? A scold. Peace. Villain. Who dares not go to law? What's that to you? 
abominable swindler meddler thief stop stop why that beats all ten thousand devils bailiffs police oh for a constable they must be all tied up plaintiffs and judge end of act one